Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville as we are on the air post Thanksgiving for our, our official third show of the season, our unofficial second show of the season. If you've been tuning in to all the excitement, as it were, in the opening start of our season, it's been a little bit touch and go, but I appreciate you all tuning in and taking the time to join us. Thank you. If you got questions for us, you can look at the bottom of your screen to find out how to interact with us. You can join us via email, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on X slash Twitter, Instagram, and threads at d3hoopsville or the hashtag hoopsville. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube where we're live streaming the show in simulcast, facebook.com slash hoopsville. YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. You can also find us on the Team One Sports app, thanks to Huddle Blue Frame on Android TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Roku. I am your host, Dave McHugh, as I have been in our 21st season, the longest show of its kind, covering Division Three athletics. The trick tonight's going to be, does my voice last? It has been an interesting week or so. I don't know if I've just overused my voice in the last few months. Uh, I did a tally of the fall and called something like 50 different sports, whether PA announcing or broadcasting in a six-week span, and I might be underestimating that number. Um, I, I did, what, six volleyball games, five volleyball games uh, weekend before Thanksgiving, and I love this work. I really do. But my voice apparently isn't. So we're going to see if it gets through it. We can tell you there's, I'm going to cheat. There's a couple of pre-recorded interviews tonight. Um, but we do have a few live guests as well. We'll talk about them first, getting on the show tonight. Um, our guests that we uh, try to get on the very first show. Caleb Kimbrough of Hamden, Sydney will be joining us in a wee bit. Uh, the now number two ranked Hamden Sydney men's basketball program. We will talk to Caleb Kimbrough coming up about his program. He was kind enough to join us on the first show, just couldn't get him on the air. Looking forward to count, uh, chatting with him. These are not, by the way, in order. Um, also, we'll be talking to Jenna Cosgrove of the fifth ranked Rhode Island College women's basketball team. The week one poll hasn't gotten out just yet uh, on that one. We will, if we get that mid show, we will certainly update you. Uh, with those uh, latest poll results. We'll also talk to, let's see, the now number seven Keene State Owls men's basketball coach or acting men's basketball coach, David Hastings. Uh, they fell from fourth to seventh in a lot of movement in the top 25. And we'll talk to Milliken women's basketball coach Olivia Lett, the 24th ranked in the preseason poll on the women's side. So those are our four guests tonight. We do have... As you may all know, a new top 25 on the men's side will certainly have some reactions to that. One that I'm quickly going to jump out there and say, Randolph Macon is out of the top 25. They are sitting unofficially in uh, the second receiving votes category, um, about nine points out of the top 25. Illinois College is in the 20 or in the first slot out of the tw top 25, which is two votes out. Um, and plenty, five teams, in fact, getting first place votes in the men's top 25. We'll talk more about that. We will not have our panel on. We haven't gotten our panel up and running just yet to talk uh, men's and women's basketball top 25. We will get our panel in here 
and have them join us uh, in the near future. We're hoping next week, next Monday, will uh, be our first time to chat with uh, some of the guys on our men's side. And then probably the following week, we'll talk to some of the women's side. And then we're going to just kind of take a pause until we get to January. I think it, uh, it was raised by uh, one, of the, one of the guys in it that it might make a, more sense. As apparently my screen may have just frozen for all of you. And it might make more sense to um, do, uh, uh, sorry, we may have lost our camera, but we'll work on it. But anyway, uh, it may make more sense to have uh, a conversation after the, the Christmas holiday. And I think that makes sense. We don't need to dive too deep into the top 25s too soon. But we'll still have a conversation about the top 25s or teams we're watching at the start of the season next week on the men's side. And we'll talk women's side the following week. And you see what I assume is a blurred look of my face. I apologize. Not sure what's going on there. Um, but we will figure it out here momentarily. Just deal with it, as it were, until we can figure that out. Um, apparently, the camera doesn't want to work. It's actually off, according to my system. So I'm going to at least put up a logo for you so you aren't uh, uh, freaked out by that image. There, there we go. Had some camera issues of late. Not really sure what's going on. Uh, we had some issues uh, last week, and we're having issues continuing. So during the break, we'll probably try and fix that camera coming up. Uh, so the top 25 coming out on the men's side, uh, anew. The new number one team is Wisconsin Whitewater. They got first uh, 13 first place votes and moved up from two to one. Hamden Sydney jumped from eight to one or eight to two. I'm sorry, they received eight first place votes. That was the second most of the first place votes. John Carroll stayed steady at three and went to two first place votes. Mount Union slid up a spot to four, receiving a first place vote. And Calvin made a big jump from ten to five with one first place vote. Not how I voted. We can talk about that later in the program. Oswego 6, Keene State 7, uh, NYU is 8. <coughs> Excuse me. Case Western Reserve is 9. Christopher Newport fell from 1st to 10th. Guilford into the top 25 at 11, uh, having not been in there in the preseason. WPI jumped into 12th. WashU went from 22nd to 13th. Swarthmore went from 11th to 14th, which is interesting considering they beat NYU and are sitting behind NYU in the top 25. Granted, they have a loss that maybe isn't as as strong as the NYU uh, loss to Swarthmore. Williams went from 7th to 15th. Emory went from 19th to 16th. Redlands is in the top 25 at 17th. Trinity, Connecticut is in the top 25 at 18th. Marietta is in the top 25 at 19th. Illinois Wesleyan jumps in at 20th, which is a little surprising to me. Virginia Wesleyan jumped in. I certainly considered them. They're at 21. Oshkosh fell or moved up from 25 to 22. Tufts is into the top 25 at 23. Trine is in the top 24, uh, top 25 at 24. And Pomona Pitzer rounds out the top 25. All those are new. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 new top 25 teams. So falling out, previously ranked number 12, Hopkins. Previously ranked number 14, Mar Randolph-Macon. Previously ranked 15th, Mary Harden-Baylor. Previously ranked 16th, Wabash. Previously ranked 17th, Catholic. Previously ranked 18th, Carthage. Previously ranked 20th, East Texas Baptist. Number 21, previously, North Park. Number 23, previously, Claremont Mud Scripps. And previously, number 24, Middlebury. So there you go. There's a quiz for you coming. We will be testing you. Uh, women's side, not as maybe as exciting as we have grown accustomed in terms of movement, but there's certainly plenty to talk about on the women's side. <coughs> Excuse me. You're going to have to deal with that cough. I'm just warning you now. In um, Chris, uh, Christopher Newport on the uh, 
on the men's side, or I'm sorry, I was talking about the women's side, and I jumped into the wrong, uh, the wrong uh, system there. There we go. Uh, the uh, for only lot Tufts losing to Rhode Island College, and Trinity lost to uh, number 11 Smith. Ohio Northern lost to Wittenberg to start the season. Actually, Ohio Northern's one and three. Lost to Wittenberg, beat Anderson, but lost to Ohio Wesleyan and Trine. Trinity, Texas lost. That was a surprise. Lost to 16th-ranked Hardin-Simmons in overtime. That one caught my attention. DeSales lost its opener, but has gone a winless since, or gone uh, undefeated since. They're three and one. Elizabethtown is four and one. They lost to Christopher Newport. Uh, Mary Washington is five and one. They lost to Randolph Macon in overtime, sixty to fifty-two. Hope lost, surprise, surprise, to Wisconsin Lutheran, seventy-nine, sixty-eight. That game on the road, and Messiah lost to Dickinson. They're three and one now in the season. The receiving votes category is a plethora of losses on the women's side. It is stunning, to say the least, on that side of things. So that's kind of the top 25. There are some scores that we're going to keep an eye on tonight throughout Division Three. On the men's side, Oswego and St. Lawrence had started a short time ago uh, or about an hour ago from when, this, when uh, our show started. Um, but according to the system, it hasn't started. So we literally are trying to find um, that score. Um, and we will get you that as soon as we can. But that is a, that should be a pretty good battle on the men's side. Um, other games that jump out, uh, I think both Wells and men's and women's programs are going to have a struggle this season. I hate to say it. Springfield's playing Bryant in a non. Uh, I don't know if it counts for Springfield or not, but it you know for Bryant it certainly counts. Um, here we go on. We'll get into the Oswego score in a minute. On the women's side of things, a couple things that jump out. Number six, Scranton is playing Stevens. That game just got underway. Number 14, DeSales is taking on Marywood. And by the way, Stevens and Scranton is in a tight one halfway through the first quarter. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, As we mentioned, uh, Oswego taking on St. Lawrence. And finally calling up live stats on that. And Oswego's got a 41-37 lead with 12, just under 12 minutes to play. Actually, now it's 41-38. So we'll keep an eye on the Lakers as we move along. Of course, we can always take questions from you. We hope you'll join us and, and ask questions and whatnot. We will try and figure out our camera issues. Not sure what's going on. Um, hoping it's not what we had last show where it caused the computer to crash. But we'll certainly look into it nonetheless. But if you've got questions, please feel free to uh, send send them our, our way, as it were, and we will do our best to answer them and see what you want to chat about and go from there. Again, coming up, we're going to talk to um, Caleb Kimbrough from Hamden, Sydney. We'll also talk to uh, Jenna Cosgrove from Rhode Island College. We'll be talking to David Hastings, who I talked to earlier today from Keene State. Great conversation with Coach Hastings. And we will talk to Olivia Lett coming up from Milliken. By the way, of note, the Cosgrove and Hastings interviews are the ones that were pre-recorded. And I will say this now, I'm not sure which order they will run in. We're still trying to figure out one of our guests. But um, I don't normally ever go to the same region twice in a show, unless it's one of the bigger shows or late in the year when we are following some headlines. And I most certainly try not to go to the same conference in the same show, let alone back-to-back weekends or back-to-back shows, uh, let alone the same show is what I'm trying to say. And yes, I ended up in the Little East Conference twice tonight with our conversation with Rhode Island College and Keene State. 
That fell down to one of those where I was looking around for different headlines and stories I wanted to talk about on the men's side. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, Keene State was a clear, obvious one there, and I jumped on it and then went, oh, that's right, Rhode Island College is on the show too. So literally a little East Conference getting plenty of hoops of love here on an early show. Quick note, by the way, for upcoming shows, we will not be on the air Thursday. I'll be traveling down or tied up, uh, doesn't matter, uh, in Salem, Virginia for the men's and women's soccer championships for Division Three. I'll be on the call with Ira Thor for, that's our sixth or seventh straight year, I believe, doing this uh, um, for soccer. Uh, we'll be on the call for the men's soccer championship. Second year in a row, we're not doing both championships and third time overall, but looking forward to being down there. But I also had a meeting pop up on Thursday evening that is mandatory for one of my work jobs. So that kind of made the decision a lot easier if I was on the fence. So no show on Thursday. We'll be back here next Monday, <coughs> the 4th of December, to talk things over. And again, we'll get the our men's top uh, 25 panel, or at least a panel of our men's experts on the show to talk things over. Um, and then we'll get the women's the following week. And we'll get a couple of other guests as well. So next week on the 4th, we will talk with you and then we will start our thursday shows next week as well so we'll go back to our two week our two shows a week format starting next week and then seemingly for the rest of the season the only show that would be up in the air honestly is the december 21st show we um may have a lot of content that it's worth doing that if not i'm going to be honest with you i'm going to sit back and relax and enjoy the holidays i may have some work the next day that could have me tied up too so we'll see what happens but more importantly um if we can get some advertisers and sponsors and all of that in place that will certainly drive us to do uh, more shows we are in conversations with many of our partners I got an email today that I need to email check, and I got another one that we'll be setting up a meeting this week and all that. So we're looking forward to bringing our usual partners online. But if you are an, are an entity or you know any entities out there who would like to advertise or sponsor on this show, please send them our way. We are not a an expensive group in any way, shape, or form, and we certainly would welcome any contributions that makes what we do better. So here we are. Send them our way, and we look forward to hearing from you. You can use the Hoopsville at d3sports.com link. If you're just tuning in, wondering why you're not seeing my lovely face, the camera has gone sideways. And so we will be trying to figure that out here in the upcoming break before talking to Caleb Kimbrough. Otherwise, it's going to be strange for all of you because I won't be on camera, though Caleb can see me via another camera, though we may have to change. It's complicated. Phil Nagley uh, joining us. Um says random non d3 question why aren't you doing both sides of the action for soccer um the simple answer is they wanted two different crews um since his championships are split i certainly wanted to still be play by play and join my friend monica moore for the women's side i love working with monica we have done lacrosse together and in the baltimore dc i think we have done a number of things together you guys don't have any idea how many broadcasts Monica and I have been partnered on over the years, and she's good in all roles. Actually, I just saw her at the uh, CAA Volleyball Championships at Towson in Division One. She was doing the analyst role for that while I was doing p- public address announcing. 
Anyway, she's going to be down there. Jeremy's going to be on the call for the women's side, which will be Salem's 100th Division Three NCAA Championship. And Ira Thor and I will have the soccer championships for men, which will be the 101st. If you're curious, it's Thursday and Saturday for the semifinals and finals for women. It is Friday, Sunday for the men. And of course, reminders, Salem will be hosting the 50th Stag Bowl coming up later in December. Also, don't forget... Uh, switching back to basketball, we've got the D3Hoops.com Classic coming up in Las Vegas between Christmas and New Year's. We have not talked about it enough now. We will certainly talk about it a little further down the road. But we've got some heavy hitters, if you have not seen it already, for that tournament. Should be an awesome event in Vegas. And we're already starting to put together the teams for next year. If you're interested, get a, you can get in touch with me, and I'd be happy to get you in touch with who you need to talk to. As I know quite a few Great teams who are interested in joining us in Vegas next year. On top of, I'll give you a hint if you haven't seen it, Case Western Reserve and Oswego will be taking, will be in, D, uh, in Vegas and playing one another on the men's side of things. So it should be an awesome event, and I'm looking forward to it. Quick side note before we take a break and uh, figure out the camera and talk to Caleb Kimbrough. Um, I was pleasantly surprised and very happy Um I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised and very happy. That's a, that's a weird way of saying that. Uh, so if you don't know, I've been the public address announcer at Goucher College Basketball now in my 26th season. And walked into the gym. I got a, a little bit of a heads up on some of these things. But I walked into the gym with a new head coach, third ever in men's program history, Justin Klingman, former Scranton basketball player. His mother did pretty darn well as a basketball player at Scranton and a one-year interim head coach. His father's a really darn good soccer coach. Justin had been the associate head coach at Catholic before getting the job at Goucher. And, but some things have changed. First off, brand new chairs, which is kind of a new thing for all the team and for all the rust, and it's very comfortable. Love it. But the team is now on a different bench, and they don't want the Bulls music as their intro music, so be it. Um, it's strange to me because I'm, I'm very much used to that theme having the previous 25 years. But clearly, it's an idea of let's get rid of the ju- the bad juju, maybe. It, maybe there's some bad juju here. So they switched benches, and they're changing up the music. And uh, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. I saw them play against Eastern Mennonite. And I, the Royals got the win, but Goucher was certainly in the fight. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the rest of the season in the Gopher Dome is doing. And I'm, I'll be doing both men's and women's games in conference during doubleheaders. So that'll be fun to get back into it. They've got a new women's coach there as well, former Birmingham Southern coach and there's a topic we'll have talk more about in December as well future of Birmingham Southern and others gonna take a break when we come back Caleb Kimbrough join us and hopefully you'll be able to see me again if we can figure out why our camera doesn't want to work you're listening to Hoops Hope presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios plenty more ahead on this third or second edition of Hoopsville back with more after this The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But 
Then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect, it's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry, you're not seeing my face right now. We are going to try and fix about midway through the show. Tried to quickly fix the camera. I think we've got a, a one of those old cams, and it's not even that old. Just that's starting to fail. I think that's basically it. Um, we'll fix it. We got a backup that we can go to, or or two or three other options in in my closet. But you don't need to see my lovely face right now. I got a face for radio anyway. So we're going to keep going. Uh, talking men's basketball. The season started with an absolute bang this year. Number one, Christopher Newport re, um, reconnecting with Hamden Sydney in a game that was certainly booked before uh, the playoffs came out last year. 
And then the playoffs showed up, and um, Christopher Newport eliminated Hamden Sydney from their magical season. And so it it added a little bit of flair, as it were, to the season. Made things a wee tad bit more interesting. And as a result, the first game of the season, and Hamden Sydney comes out and says, you may be the number one, you may be the defending national champions. You're at our place, and and you will be... um, you will be leaving now with a loss to start the year, and it won't be, it won't be close. Unbelievable start, to say the least. And as a result, as we mentioned earlier in the broadcast, Hamden Sydney has moved up to number two in the top twenty-five in the first in-season poll of the year. They're four zero. They followed it up with an easy win over Greensboro, a good battle with what may be a surprising Widener squad this season. And then a win over Rose Holman. Those games, those last two, both in Worcester. They've got conference play coming up. There's plenty to talk about there. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the second-ranked Hebden Sydney men's team. It is Caleb Kimbrough. And Caleb, really appreciate you taking the time to join us despite um, the challenges we had in the opening show. Uh, thanks again. Uh, and it may even be better to talk about you now because you guys definitely off to a strong start. No, I appreciate it, Dave. I mean, I, I thank you for having us on, and thank you for highlighting Hampton, Sydney. We think, you know, got a lot of good schools in the ODAC, and and we want them to be highlighted as much as possible. And thank you to you, man. I mean, we just we love what you do for for the sport, for Division Three in general, and you know, it's just great to get on here with you. Well, I certainly appreciate that. We're doing a hybrid here, like old school, where it was only a radio show once. And new school where we got the video of you on. It's great to see a great backdrop, by the way. Hey, listen, Caleb, you came in a few years ago, and and I'm I'm gonna say something a little tongue in cheek. You were the hot pick, as it were, because you know you were, were having so much success. Interesting enough, down in the USA South, who you just got uh, got coming up um, in a former USA South member in now in ODAC play. And listen, things were going well, and and you got a tough job because, you know, Hamden Sydney's been a storied program for a number of years, and it was just starting to struggle struggle a little bit um, under the previous regime. And and you came in, and you made a bang early. What was the difference? What was the significance? What was the, the trick that has allowed you to have such an immediate impact on the program and suddenly already bring Hamden Sydney back to its glory days, at least on the short run. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I think it's the school. I mean, I, yeah, I know people were like, Oh, coach, you came in here and did all this, but really Hamden Sydney is a place that's, that's built for success. I mean, the, the support here is unbelievable. Um, just the college in general, it's, it's been around forever. People know about it. So you can, you have a, a wide reach and, you know, how you can recruit. Um, and I really, I mean, it's a place when you get someone to visit here, it's a unique place. We're an all male school, you know, so obviously it's, you know, it has its challenges there, but I, you know, we really view that as a perk for so many reasons. And when people come visit, they see that, you know? And, and so I think, I think what I did, I, was, I, I came in with a different perspective. You know, I came in with the perspective of, yeah, you know, we hadn't done well, but I knew the league, and I respected the league, and I think, uh, and honestly, got, put coaching staffs together that were top notch. I mean, I have Bryson Gibson that's been with me for the whole time we've been here, and that guy is—he's got guys trying to steal him every year. Um, now I got Carson <laughs> Long with me. Same things happening to him. So I, you know, really surrounded myself with guys that are workers, guys that get it, um, pound the pavement, go recruit top notch uh, people and top notch players, and I think you know, just working on our culture in the midst of all that has been what's helped us get it going. 
I don't know if I've ever asked this of you, but obviously you, you, we, those of us who've been around Division Three for a little bit got to know you pretty well at Guilford, um, and and the amazing teams that Guilford had while you were there, and Jordan Snipes, and and the rest like Ben Strong. So you obviously knew the ODAC. This this was nothing new to you, and you knew the Hamden Sydney history, and and you knew the program certainly well. But did it did it feel at any point that this was going to be a daunting affair? And and honestly, are you are you where you thought you were going to be? Or are you even surprised at how quickly things have turned around? So, yeah, actually, my first coaching job was Washington and Lee, which is kind right. of crazy. So I went to Guilford. I, I coached at WNL and then coached back at Guilford under, you know, with Tom Palumbo, who's a, you know, legend in the game. But, yeah, I, I don't think I, I – mean, I, I think coming to Hampton, Sydney, there's a high expectation – I mean, they provide resources for you to compete at a very high level, and I think there's an expectation there to do it. And I think, you know, me and the rest of the staff, we just really love that challenge. So, I, you know, I think we just kind of put it, rolled our sleeves up and got to work, and we knew it could be done. I don't know how quickly we thought it could be done, but um, I think the guys that we inherited were unbelievable and really, you know, committed to what we were talking about and – and really bought into to the culture that we were preaching and developed together. And then early on, we recruited a class of guys um, that now we have three fifth years and, and Miles Harris, Chase Turner, and Ryan Clements. And then you have, I think it's five other seniors, you know, that are all together um, right now and have stayed together that whole time and got to play um, early on. And I don't think it always works out that those classes that you hope to be the foundation all play or all commit to certain roles, but it just happened to be here that we, we, you know, we do, like, like I said before, I mean, I think the uh, Bryson Gibson kind of leading the charge in recruiting and us identifying the type of character, young man that, that played for programs that had been successful. Um, it translated when they got here, you know, they knew how to play a role. Um, I thought the crazy part was that, you know, it's difficult to recruit when you're the last place team in the league. And we had some guys that really believed, and I think that's a testament to the, to the school. You know, you get you get people here and they see the value of Hampton-Sydney. You know, it's a place that really is committed to athletic success, but it's also a place that sets you up for life, you know, academically. So I think having those guys see that and commit to that and then really developing the time that they're here has been, been pretty amazing. Yeah, it went from a program that was – one in fifteen, or I'm sorry, uh, one in fifteen. Yes, in conference play, and four nineteen overall to eight and eight in conference play, fourteen and thirteen in your first campaign, twenty two and seven last season, uh, fourteen and two in conference play. That I mean, you guys were right there, stride for stride with you know the beast that was Randolph Macon. Uh, in fact, if anyone wants to go back and look, you did pretty well against Randolph Macon. Um, gave them a heck of a tournament. Uh, you lost to Guilford in the in the conference t- tournament, got into the NCAA tournament, beat a really good Emory squad before Christopher Newport knocked you guys off. How much was that game, and, and the fact that you knew you were going to play them in the first game, striving and pushing and, and doing whatever it is that needs to be done in the offseason? You talking about knowing that we were going to play Christopher Newport? Yeah, that you're playing the captains. Yeah, I mean, we... I, I, we don't shy away from the competition. I mean, Krikorian at CNU has been killing it for years now. I mean, he's he's put together run after run and uh, big winning seasons, it seems like, every year. And I think 
for us, yeah, we knew we had a, a, a senior class and a guy, a group that had been together a while. But I think if you see every year, I mean, we're not afraid to go play people, uh, whether it be at their place or our place, because the ODAC is so difficult. I mean, for us, it's about trying to win the league and you got to prepare yourself for that. So, I mean, it might sound a little crazy. We're not just trying to go out there and win 20 games. I mean, we're trying to win the ODAC and uh, you got to go play some people. You got to be challenged. And, you know, we've, we've taken our lumps uh, in, in previous years. And I think and learned, you know, you said, uh, you know, making, I mean, Merkel's, he's dominated the league over the past several years. And, you know, he's a guy that has beat up on all of us. So as, as you know, you learn from that and you got to go play tough competition and disciplined teams that play defense. And we tried to do that. So I think scheduling that game was not so much, Oh, let's get a rematch right away, even though it kind of turned into that. But, uh, and our guy, our guys were obviously hungry to, to see those guys again, having been knocked out by them. Um, but I think it was more so, Hey, we need to challenge ourselves. Let's go, you know, Let's, let's play some good competition so we can win the league. Talk to me about the game. Talk to me about this start of the season. Four games in. You've got a 74-53 win over CNU. You've got a 74-48 win over Widener. 72-60. I'm sorry, over Greensboro. 72-63 over Widener. 80-66 over Rose Holman. You're, you're outscoring your opponents by nearly 20 a game, including some really good competition. What's this start been like? Is this what you guys wanted to accomplish? Well, yeah, we want to win every game. We kind of break our season up into phases. Um, you know, the phase, the first phase of the season is really us trying to figure out who we are, um, you know, identify, understand what our roles are in the team, so on and so forth. Uh, I, we we want to win during that time as well. I think the Christopher Newport game, I mean, it was just – it was, as you can imagine, the crowd here at Hampton City is unbelievable. I mean, our our fans, our students are the, the best around. I, mean, I haven't seen everybody, but it, it's – it's unreal. NCAA tournament was was electric, and that first game, you know, it was a whiteout, and we clearly helped us. We came out. We already had the edge of just having been beat, and those guys had that place rocking, and it was a lot of fun. I, th- I thought we just came out with a, a different sort of energy, and we just were able to sustain that over the course of 40 minutes. Um, I didn't think it was anything crazy special. I mean, when you're going against good teams as well, uh, I do think they had won the last game. Like we kind of were able to make any adjustment we wanted to make. Uh, I thought they made a good adjustment. Their big guy played when we played him in the NCAA tournament. He did not play when we played him at their place. Um, That's something that we had to adjust to. So I think a little bit of a chess match there. But overall, I just thought, you know, it's the first game of the year. People are trying to figure out who they are. And we just kind of had the energy and that home court uh, advantage. Well, tell me, obviously, the home court is a huge deal. Um, and, and we know it's been a special place. And you've gotten that magic back, which is certainly driving that. But tell me a little bit about the team that's helped drive this boat a little bit. Give us a sense of who's back. Who are you guys missing? Who's adjusting? What's what's the dynamics with this with this squad? We lost a very key. We graduated one guy last year, Harrison Taylor. And although he didn't play minutes, he was a very valuable member to us. I mean, he's a guy that brought energy, was you know, kind of led the scout team, um, big time leader for us. But we, we brought everybody else back. Um, we lost two guys to, to transfer, um, but all five starters came back and the majority of our bench minutes came back. And so, you know, you have a, a guy in Adam Brazel who's a point guard who's led the charge for, for his whole career up to this point in his, you know, going into his senior year this this year. Um, and he's just really developed. And 
I mean, he's a guy that just loves the game and is constantly trying to grow. Uh, and, and he's, and he's pushing himself into a role where I think, uh, you know, he, he runs the show for us. I mean, he's a guy that our players look to, to get us into things and, um, he can score it if you need him to score it. He can play make if you need him to play make. Um, and he's a captain for us. So I think you got AB. You know, Ryan Clements is a fifth year. He's very dynamic. We threw him to the into the fire his freshman year to work through mistakes. And you know, he's matured into all league player and uh is unreal, thousand point score. Um, and then you got like Davidson Hubbard. I mean, you got Alex Elliott, you got Josiah Hardy. These guys have started DJ Wright started for us the majority of games last year. He's been coming off the bench for us this year. Um, talking about a guy that can go fill it up. He's a perfect example of a guy that could probably score 20 points at maybe some other places. And for us, he's he's willing to play a role. That's what we need him to do. And he comes in and he picks and chooses his moments. But uh, he's a spark for us off the bench. But you go down the line. I mean, Sean Hodge. I mean, it's just, there's just – we got tons of guys that have been here. There's eight guys that have been here for some five years. Um, and, and then now you're starting to sprinkle in, um, you know, some of this junior class. We have two guys in Amy McGowan and, uh, you know, you got Nick Shryock. And then you got our sophomore class that's now starting to play a little bit. And then you're bringing in this freshman class um, that's really competing. I mean, those guys are like, man, in the recruiting process, we said, hey, we got some returning guys. That can be easy, you know, to find minutes. And I, I give these guys a lot of credit. They're coming in here and they're competing with all they got. And, we got some guys that are going to keep this thing going for years to come. Got nine guys who are seniors or fifth years. So there, there feels like a little bit of a got to take advantage of this while you've got it. This is the year you, you've built to this point. You, I'm not sure. Don't probably won't find out what the exact goals are necessarily that you all have this season, but it does. Is there that urgency in the locker room that everyone understands Listen, there's going to be good teams after this, but we've got a chance to make it happen now. We've got to do it now. Yeah, we try not to get anxious about it. Like, you know, we're all about control the controllables, but we think we have a good team. You know, so I think what we try to do is, is, is keep a sense of urgency to continue to develop, really. Um, you know, be be present, enjoy this, this process together, not try to just, you know, we lost a very tough one to Guilford. We were up big in that game in the semifinals, and they came all the way back and hit a half-court shot to win the game. And, you know, that's that's stung. But I really think those experiences, you know, that that's what makes you, you know, you get to get there again. So I think we have a group. We're lucky to have a group that was able to have those experiences and then come back. Not all the time you have that. So, I, I you know, I do think our team has a sense of urgency and a, and a desire to take another step. We, we – get to the ODAC championship, win the regular season, you know, so you go into the NCAA tournament and go past the second round. But we don't focus on those things. You know, we really, you know, those, those are goals of ours, and we've talked about them early in the year, and then we we don't talk about it anymore. I mean, and then we, we move forward with the work, and we try to enjoy it. Looking ahead, you start conference play next. You've got Averett, who we mentioned, former USA South uh, colleague of yours. Um, I think you might know a little bit too through a little bit about Averett. I don't know, just a gut feeling. Um, but you got them at home coming up on uh, Wednesday. But then you're on the road at Guilford and at Randolph Macon to play the next two of these three. Randolph Macon may have come back a little bit to earth, but they're still a darn tough team. Guilford, as you know, playing pretty well 
at this point. And as you mentioned, it's a rematch of that game last year, which was insane to watch. This is an important opening stretch to this to this conference slate for you all. Oh, oh, there's no doubt about it. It's funny when people say like Randolph Macon's coming back down to earth. You know, they lose like well one game or something like that, and people are oh like, yeah, oh, totally tongue in cheek, totally not, 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 not used to these guys losing one game. Right. So credit to Merkel there, but uh, yeah, nobody's overlooking those guys or Guilford or Averett. You know, the, the ODAC is a beast, and you really got to come to play every night. You know, right now we're focused on Averett. You know, they're, they're a team that's got some different players in there. You know, they, it looks like they haven't had the success they wanted to this point, but they've played us tough every time we've played them. I mean, they're going to be really physical. You know, Coach Duino does a great job. Those guys used to win the USA South. I mean, those, he's going to have those guys ready to play. Uh, you know, we're coming off break. I mean, we're going to need to be sharp, and we're going to need to bring our A game. Um, and then, we'll, you know, after that game, we're, we're really locked into that, and then we'll, we'll kind of move forward. I know the – the Guilford and making games will both be big games as well. And, you know, when we get to that point, we'll, we'll figure out a way to to get it done against those guys too. Yeah, but talk to me about this conference. I mean, it's always been a tough conference, but you've got Guilford and making yourself. Virginia Wesley and Dave Macedo's got his squad out to a hot start. Um, you've got, of course, Clay Nunley down at Roanoke is going to, while they lost some players from last year, they're going to have a tough team. You know that every time you got to play them. And there's going to be the unknowns. You know, what's Lynchburg going to be like this season? Eastern Mennonite could be an interesting squad this year. WNL is always going to be a tough team. This is the ODAC feels like it's getting deeper and tougher every year. They're, and while, you know, yes, Randolph making tongue in cheek has come back a step, it, the, the middle and the bottom have gone up five or six. Yeah, I think this fifth year, the grad transfer, you know, you see teams have the ability to you know not have to develop a high school player for several years instead you may be able to plug a division two guy in here or, um you know, maybe even a division one guy that can help you win some games right away uh you know the, the coaching in the odak is ridiculous i mean palumbo's won an insane amount of games be a merkel national champion palumbo multiple final fours you know macedo national champion uh been back to the game that was when i was playing um, oh, yeah. Nunley's been knocking on the door. I mean, he's he's right there. You know, you got Hillary Scott won 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 a title. Um, not even talking about like the Farron Panthers, right? Pat Corgan, who's a Hampton yeah. Sydney. I mean, he they're undefeated right now. Yeah, they're off to an interesting start. Just had a, a big league win, and they'll have a, a big contest. I think it's against Roanoke in their first or in their second uh, conference play. But oh yeah, I, the the league is tough. I mean, the, the league is tough, and I'm telling you, these guys, these coaches, they know how to recruit. Um, you're getting guys in here with energy, and then you got the guys that have been around a while that you you know what you're going to get, but it is. I mean, you're talking about going to Guilford and trying to play the, the, the pack line, Palumbo. I mean, he's going to make you grind it out one way or the other, and it's going to be a physical game. He may only play about five, six guys, but those guys are going to be ready to go, and, you know, he'll find a way to be in it, uh, you know, at, at, in every game he's in. So it's, it's, it's an impressive group. And I don't, honestly, I don't think these guys, especially the guys that have been around a while, man, I don't think they get enough credit. You know, I, I think those guys should be highlighted a lot more. I mean, they, they've done an unbelievable job, you know, not only the ODAC, but when they get to the NCAA tournament, those guys make runs. Do you have any advantage being a Guilford alum and, and playing for Tom Palumbo to, into those games? Or is it absolutely no help whatsoever? 
we call each other, man. We just give each we just we just give each other the scout. And we're like, man, let's just duke it out. Let's just tell each other exactly what we're gonna do. Oh, your now, teams t- must love you. <laughs> no, we t- we do talk a lot. We 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 talk today, uh, and you know he's almost all of what I learned is from from him. So I, I think you know it's 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 a, a lot of fun to compete against him, but it's definitely. I think you know what you're going to get from both sides, right? It's it's like who's going to, you know, whose guys might make the extra play or who's going to get the, the one, two extra offensive rebound, whatever the case is. I mean, he's, you know what you're going to get. I got like I got a lot of love for that guy, but when it's between the lines, man, he's he's beat up on me more than I beat up on him. Let's just put it that way. No, I hear you there. Uh, curious, what is the number two ranking in this week's poll? And and I know what polls mean to a lot of people and, and especially coaches I've heard the coach speak, but for a Hampton, Sydney group, school, whatever, what does the number two ranking mean to this program mean to the school mean to the department? It's a big deal. I'm not going to give you any coach coach talk or whatever it is. I mean, we're very excited about it. I think it's a huge compliment to the commitment of the guys in our program to commitment of the school, you know, RAD, Chad Isley, his commitment to wanting the basketball program to be successful. I think it's it's all those things. Now it has no indication on what we're gonna do this year, but certainly we yeah. Yeah, it's a big compliment. And we we we'll address it. Uh you know, I didn't know that until you brought it up, but like we'll address it uh probably in practice tomorrow and be like, hey, good job. You know, you've been recognized by by your peers and 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 that's great. Uh but you know what you got to do to to achieve the goals you want to achieve, you know, and it's not getting ranked the first week of the season. It's, you know, you give yourself a pat on the back and let's keep it moving. Yeah, well said. I figured. I appreciate, at least that you acknowledge it's it's a big deal for you guys. Um, there's some who are trying to avoid that question. Uh, hey, Caleb, really appreciate the time. Congratulations. Uh, great to chat with you as always. I love chatting with you about the program and great to see the success that you've been able to, to uh translate over to Hamden, Sydney. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuned in? Yeah, Dave, again, man, I just really want to thank you. You know, our staff over here, we get we tune in to, to these shows that you do uh, throughout the year. Um, you know, we're dedicated to Division three basketball. It's our life. So to have another person that gets so fired up about it and it means something uh, to them, we, we just really appreciate that. So thank you. Well, thank you, Caleb. Appreciate it. Uh, hey, good luck, uh, not only with the <laughs> next few games, which will be fun to watch, but for the rest of the season. And I'll know we'll catch up with you guys at a later date. Uh, enjoy it. Have a great holiday season as well. And uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good, Dave. Take care, Abs- man. You take care. Caleb Kimbrough joining us on the uh, Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. Again, if you're just tuning in, yes, you can't see my lovely mug. Um we got a camera that has decided to fail on us. We're going to figure that out. By the way, if you're also tuning in, Facebook, for some reason, stopped our live stream. I have no idea why, but we've re-fired that up. Um, so that is running for you if you need it. So tune in. And uh, we're also on YouTube on our live stream and, of course, on our Team One Sports stream as well. When we come back, we will pivot and we will talk... Um, We'll talk to the other team that we wanted to get on the show in the opening uh, of the season, the Rhode Island College uh, anchor women. Jenna Cosgrove will join us to talk about her team, their start to the season, which included also a pretty big win. 
and what she sees for not only uh, nearly getting to the national championship last year, but what that means for this year and how she sees a little East shaping up as well. You listen to Hoops Hole presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. 
The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Welcome back to Oopsle, everybody. Still don't have a camera on us right now. For whatever reason, our main camera decided to give up the ghost or something. Really not sure. It's very strange. It's it's registered as being there, but it's not working. So we'll figure it out. We'll get another camera up and running here in a bit. We do have a couple tape segments, so that'll give us some time to work on things. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the Hoopsville Studios. If you got questions for us, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads. Just look for at d3hoopsville or use the hashtag hoopsville. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we restarted us our simulcast there, and on YouTube, where we're live simulcasting as well, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. You can also find us on the Team One Sports app, Android TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Roku. Go to Team One Sports app, and then look up Hoopsville from there. Our new women's top 25 got out in the last 30 minutes. NYU remains the number uh, moves up to number one. I'm sorry, Transylvania actually falls from one to two, if you can believe it. Swapping places, NYU now with 14 first place votes, Transylvania with 10. Christopher Newport picks up the lone other vote. They are in third and stay in third. Rhode Island College, who we'll be talking to momentarily here with Jenna Cosgrove, moved from fifth to fourth. Scranton from sixth to fifth. Whitewater from ninth to sixth. Wartburg from eighth to seventh. Tough falls from fourth to eighth on the heels of that loss to Rhode Island College. Harden-Simmons jumps from 16 to nine. The win over Trinity, Texas, probably playing a huge role in that decision. Gustavus Adolphus rounds out the top 10, jumping in from 15th. Trinity, Connecticut falls out of the top 10, down to seventh. There are just three new teams in the women's top 25. Emory at 19, Amherst at 23, and Mass Dartmouth at 24. Those falling out, Ohio Northern, who was 10th, Babson, who was 13th, and Messiah, who was 25th. We'll talk more about that in the men's poll a little later in the program. Speaking of the top 25, we talked to Rhode Island College's Jenna Cosgrove, who was destined to be on our opening show of the season, but could not join us uh, due to our technical difficulties. But she was able to join us today earlier to talk about how she saw things um, playing out, not only last year as they nearly got to the national championship, but how they've started this year as well. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Rhode Island College women's basketball program, and it is Jenna Cosgrove. And first and foremost, Coach, thanks for bearing with us and waiting a, a few weeks to join us on the show, and also happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're well. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much for having me. Listen, I, I gets to a point where I'm kind of expecting you all to have a good season. Uh, maybe that's a little bit uh, naive on my part or a little bit uh, assumption on my part, but... I expected you guys to have a good season, but you started with a bang this year. Uh, before we get into the details of the win over Tufts and, and the other ways that you have gone so far, give me a sense from your perspective how you had for expectations going in and how the first few weeks have gone uh, from your from your view. Yeah, Dave, this is uh, definitely the most experienced group that I've had uh and an experience that you can't teach. I mean, where they got that experience in the final four, making that run last year, uh, there's a confidence that's instilled in these returners um, that, you know, they hate to lose. And so where we, we may have not started this hot in the past, they've, they've come with a, you know, a different sense of, of resilience and, and uh, confidence in playing. 
it's we have five fifth year players. This is my first time hitting that curve with the fifth year kids. Um, you can't teach experience. Um, you know, that's one thing for sure. And our depth is stronger than ever. Um, bringing in a couple new players and uh, just expanding. So I'm really proud of how we, we started. And, and I think that's a credit to our upperclassmen and our, our leaders and, and that experience. But it's a credit to what they did last year and just trying to pick up where they left off. Yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about last year in a bit, but it's probably better to start there now. I mean, again, getting to a Final Four. And listen, five points away from Christopher Newport, which was a behemoth last year. Granted, with some injuries, they were still a scary team. You, it wasn't like you got to the semifinals and thanked everybody for, for getting a parting gift and, and exited. You you gave that one a fight. It really showed you all weren't were not only a program – that had been rising for a while, but a program that deserved to be in that conversation in the upper tier. Yeah. You know, what's great about that is like you said, it was close. It came down to the wire uh, and the kids weren't satisfied, although they were so proud of what we accomplished and did and first time in program history, but they knew that we could win that game and they knew that we had the, we had the ability and we deserved to be there. And so I think carrying that into this year is where we set the tone right from the beginning. Um, we, we really didn't lose much at all. If anything, we've gained um, additions that make our team even stronger. So I, I, I think that's, you know, we were right there. And I think when you get a taste of that success, they want more of it. I can totally understand that. Yeah. Um, obviously, that drives you into the offseason, gets you into this year. First game, though, is toughs. And no pun intended, they're tough. They've always been tough. They're one of those teams that when you don't talk about Amherst, you're talking about in the NESCAC. They're the team that we're, we're kind of synonymous with penciling in maybe to a Final Four, or at least penciling into the conversation of being up for the national championship. And you guys opened up with them, and everybody has rough games to start the season. Um, don't think you all got the memo. 71-53 absolutely handled that game, granted at home. How important was it not only to play toughs to start the season, but to get that kind of win early in the year. It was really important for our program, I think, especially for those uh, returners and upperclassmen. We have played some powerhouses now the last two years and really upped our schedule, but have really been defeated and and not only not played our best, but really got kind of smacked. Um, where this year they were they knew what was at stake. Tufts is an incredible team, returning just as much experience. Um, and... Uh, you know, so they were ready. I think, again, it's they put more work in this summer and this offseason than they ever have, knowing what they never really looked beyond, you know, the Little East Conference too, too much, you know, besides that first round game. And there was so much more in their foreseeable, you know, the, in the future now than we didn't look too much ahead. And, then and we're not doing that. But I think playing toughs, they knew that was a statement game. And that was something we had to try and really get under our belt right away. Another thing that jumped out at me was the show kind of where this program has gone, comparing the start of last season through the finish to the start of this season. Last year, you beat TCNJ to start the year by 10. You then lost to Smith, unfortunately, in a not cl very close game, and then lost to Babson in a not very close game. What I find interesting is you made up against that Babson's game almost immediately, at the end of the season in the quarterfinals, you beat them literally flipping the script 60 to 47. You then turn around and look at this year. You've already played Babson. That's the last game you guys played back on the um, 
well, this past weekend, and you beat them, granted, in a close one, 53-48. That's not too much of a surprise, but it shows kind of the momentum of the program. Tough start last year, going one and two with two losses to Smith and Babson, who've been synonymous in New England. By the end of last season, you turn it around, and now you're getting wins over Babson. That, is that kind of the, the nutshell of the program? Yeah, it's our standard now is just to go in and, and you know, I don't think there's a there's a different perspective on where the program is right now. I think in the last couple of years, but especially thinking about last year, these were big. These were these were games we were saying, OK, we're the underdog. We're going to go in and we're going to try and upset and knock them off. You know, now I do sense there is a little bit more. There's a little bit more pressure and a little bit more of an expectation, but they have a different take on going into that game. Like, hey, we can do this. We're not the underdog. Um you know, and they hold themselves to really high to a really high standard. Again, uh, interesting enough, Smith was sitting on the other side of that final four. If things had worked out, maybe another rematch, but it both would have been in, in the title game in Dallas. It didn't work out. Again, the confidence building. Tell me a little bit about this team. You talk about the fifth years. You talk about uh, players who returned. There are also players who didn't return. You're still kind of getting used to uh, things a little bit, but give us a sense of where the leadership is and and when we're watching on offense, what we should be keying on, et cetera. Yeah. One thing that's really special about this group, and it's kind of been a continuous, um, continuous thing with our program is we really don't have a one superstar. We have a lot of great, um, you know, a lot of different threats, a lot of different weapons on both the offensive and defensive end. And I think that makes us really tough to defend. Uh, but starting with our fifth years, we returned Izzy Booth, who was our um, our leading scorer last year. And I really can't – there really hasn't been many kids that I've coached, if, if any at all, that have really put the work in that she has, you know, in the offseason. And it's every day. So she's really uh, – you know, and I think she's just getting her stride, you know, this year. She's got high expectations for herself as well. Um, but we return her. We return – um, Janaya Jones, a defensive catalyst for us. She does all the little things. She's been a three-year starter. Um, so there's two starters. We, we returned Alicia Munier, who we didn't think would come back. Um, she started against Babson. She's she's our sixth man off the bench. She was huge for us in the tournament and, again, provides depth for us at that post spot. Um, and then we have our two captains who have provided great leadership. Our junior, Madison Medbury, is our point guard. She, uh, in my opinion, was playing as one of the best point guards in the country in the tournament. Uh, big reason for our success in the NCAA tournament. She's our, our se- she's a, she's a senior senior on the court. She's a junior on the court, senior in the classroom. So we'll see if she comes back. But uh, she's our leader at the point spot. And then we have Angelina Nardolillo, our junior uh, returner, uh, another starter for us as our center. She didn't play versus Babson actually. So. Uh, you know, but again, we've got depth that has been able, you know, we saw that with adversity already this past weekend, having a starter out and she's our leading scorer right now, having to have people step up. Um, but there are two kids, um, you know, we return, you know, and uh, two other keys off the bench. Jada Bing was huge for us in the tournament and Claire Green. And we return, we bring in two kids that are new to our program that I think provide us more depth than we've had in the past. And that's, one is Olivia Middleton. She's a guard, um, transfer from St. Lawrence University, leading scorer. She's from Rhode Island, so coming back home for her fifth year. And then um, grad student Sophia Garrier. She's a really interesting thing. Uh, she she was a player of the year during our 11-0 COVID season. So 
she was done. Smart kid. And she's uh, deferring law school right now to come back and try and be a part of this. So um, we got a lot. Of, we, and they, that those are two kids, you know, that are two great guards that, you know, uh, really help us in, in, you know, our depth. And uh, we just we have a really special group. I don't think they're still trying to gel and mesh together. But uh, I think the best is yet to come. Interesting, deferring law school, but on top of that, the body at some point just can't do it anymore. So you're trying to live it out. I get it, but wow, good for her. She had a break on her knees. She's feeling better. There, awesome. Um, one interesting dynamic, though, is you only got five players who are freshmen and or sophomore, at least labeled as such on the roster. Obviously, that's more about eligibility than anything. Um, so in some ways, and I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but in some ways, you kind of got to ride this wave um that next group as it were isn't there necessarily to pick up the reins when this group is ready to step aside and maybe they they show up next year certainly we don't know what that future is yet but you kind of got an interesting moment here where the message is it's now or never isn't it yeah this is a group that you know you don't get often in coaching or in a program you, you just don't um it's kind of a blessing of you know COVID has done some terrible things and you know, then all of a sudden you're blessed with some of these things that come your way, but, um, and they don't make sense in some way, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, this is a diff, this is a group that is put together that is, uh, very unique for this year. Tell me a little bit about the schedule moving forward. Cause you got Trinity, Connecticut coming up, uh, obviously another team that can, can be in the conversation as it were hosted the championship, uh, the semifinals last year after many thought they might be in those games. Um, a, a tough squad that played Smith to a three-game or a three-point loss just recently, and then you'll pivot into conference play. I know you're not looking at a conference. We'll talk about that in a minute. But how important is still the game against Trinity and the non-conference game you'll have against Gustavus and Baldwin Wallace, et cetera? Yeah, Trinity, we're really lo- really looking forward to. Um, you know, I was hoping to get them on the schedule last year, and we couldn't fit it in. But they're a great program. Um, they've got they're well coached, they're experienced. So it's a it's another huge huge uh kind of target we have on our schedule that we're you know we're going on the road it's it's in a couple days so um really trying to get our group get our my group ready for that um that will be a really tough challenge and what do you expect from this conference this year i mean it it feels weird i've been around division three way too long Uh, every time i look at the little east my first thought is all right how's southern maine gonna do this year and and it's not that era anymore it's very different in the little east you just have to go back to to last season to see how big a difference that was uh you guys leading the way eastern connecticut mass dartmouth castleton teams that we certainly have talked to southern maine's in the middle of the pack with a below 500 record this is a this is a very different little east what are you expecting this season yeah, it's always competitive, but it's definitely changed. I know we've added three new coaches to the conference. So, um, you know, I expect really good things from those programs and, and just a difference, you know, uh, you know, can't expect to be the same type of teams um, play, doing the same things. But, um, you know, EastCon was kind of where we were this year with a powerhouse, you know, veteran squad. And so it's fluctuated, you know, I know you Mass Dartmouth has a bunch of transfers that they've picked up, you know, some higher level transfers and have done really well. And they knocked off Smith. So just trying to stay focused on Trinity and then we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll dive into that conference. But, you know, we are really looking forward to that Florida tournament too, to face two really good non-conference opponents 
um, outside of our region. Um, you know, I, I really, I think playing Trinity and going to play those two are, um, and even Springfield, they're going to be really good tests outside of conference. Yeah. I should have mentioned Springfield will be your, uh, last, um, game before that tournament both of those all those games taking place before christmas um quickly about the lec um and i mean this in a general sense is it ever a good thing to try and have a goal of going through conference play undefeated or is it more about trying to get through conference play in the right position to prepare yourself for further play well i can tell you that last year when we dropped that one game to eastcon if we uh, ended up losing in a coin flip. So I would have to tell you that we'd go for undefeated, but I think we changed the coin flip rules so it doesn't have to come down to that. <laughs> Fair. So, you know, I mean, we learn from every loss. Every loss you take something from. You know, sometimes you go undefeated and, it, you know, I mean, then you're, that doesn't always help. Uh, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you need that loss to bounce back. However, we're just focused on playing our best every game. Certainly makes sense. Uh, I, I would ask what the what's up on the bulletin board. What are the team goals? I know I'm not going to get that kind of stuff. But realistically, is coming off of a national semifinal appearance, is the goal to make it back to that position in, in a national championship? I assume that's the easy one. Or are there smaller goals along the way that are more important to help you get down the path? Yeah, we have big goals and we have goals for along the way, for sure. I've, I've asked them this recently, you know, and I know Izzy Booth, our senior, right away just went to the what's been our goal every year, and that's to win the Little East. And that would be her fourth and our fourth and fourth in a row, you know, and that's goal number one. We, you know, accomplish the first steps and then move forward. But I'd, I would be lying if I said that we didn't, you know, that the goal, the larger goal isn't to get back to where we were, but one step further, which is that national championship game. And and that's been our goal every year I've been here in this program. I've been super lucky to have that key, that kind of motivation every single year we've gone one step further. Last year, the goal was just to get past Rowan, uh, you know, and with by by far did we exceed that but yes. uh, you know I, so these kids got they've got big big goals in mind uh quickly about you uh of course Endicott grad um had uh let's say a foot in the water maybe maybe all the way up to your knees in division one and had that experience came back to division three is is and i'm not asking you to give us your entire career plans but is this home? Is Division Three home, or is the experience you got in Division One still something that that is of interest? I love where I'm at. Um, having a baby uh, in March, so I'm hoping that's. Uh, I hope that's April, Dave. So, uh, you know, my family's close by, so I just, you know, I I'm I'm loving where I am. I love the kids I'm around, the coaches, and um, you know, I played D three. I'm a D three type of kid, so uh, I see a lot of balance in that. So. I like it where I'm good where I'm at right now. Uh, I, I can totally understand that. Congrats on the baby. By the way, you, I know you can't totally plan these things. My son came three weeks early. I get that it's not, you know, written in Don't stone. Don't hear that. But, but have you had a conversation with the, the unborn yet about not arriving when it's going to be inconvenient for a national title game? I, I'm just curious. We speak daily about yes. that. Yes. Okay. We speak daily about that. Yes, we are. We are pushing for a late arrival. <laughs> very very good yeah i mean it'd be though about the one time you wish the kid would not be born when you really want the kid to be born i get that yep. hey coach congratulations again on a tremendous start um 
and and really great finish to the season too. We didn't get a chance to talk about that last year, but you guys certainly turned some heads, and it's great to see that the program is where it is. It's fun to have another team to talk about in New England as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, just come out and catch us, catch us play. Hope if it's in Rhode Island or on the road, this is a very, very special, fun group to watch. I would agree. I'm looking forward to watching maybe from away, but I'm looking forward to catching a few more games on the way. Take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for all you do. Help. Thank you. Jenna Cosgrove joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks, Coach, for joining us. And and we got our camera back. We played around with it during the segment that we had pre-taped with Jenna Cosgrove, and it's working. And crazy enough is it's also the other camera's now working on another computer. Go figure. Technology, it's grand, isn't it? Anyway, thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, we're back live now. Coming up, we'll be talking to another women's coach in the now-updated Top 25, by the way. The first week um, or in-season poll is out for both the men's and women's side. And as we mentioned, Rhode Island College is up to four now. Um they were fifth. They are they are having a bang-up season. Big games against Trinity, Connecticut coming up. Then they get a conference play against Castleton, Southern Maine, and Mass Boston before a big game against Springfield on the 11th of December. And then they go down to play Gustavus Adolphus and Baldwin-Wallace down in Fort Lauderdale. And then it's conference the rest of the way. But Jenna Cosgrove and her team, worth watching for sure. Speaking of teams worth watching for sure... Our next guest is one of those teams. When I talk to coaches, they talk about this program. We've had them on before, but never with the whole season ahead of us as a perspective. That's what I wanted to get from Olivier Lett and those at Milliken. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk to her about that and plenty more. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. (laughs) 
and now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along, cameras are finally working, so you get to see this love, uh, ugly mug, and the voice is still holding out, thanks to uh, cough drops and uh, lovely drinks and all that jazz. If you've got questions for us, the information's at the bottom of the screen, but if you're not able to see the screen, you can always email us, hoopsville.d3sports.com. Speaking of which, nope, no emails available. You can also join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. Just look for us at D3Hoopsville on those three social media accounts. You can use the hashtag Hoopsville where it's appropriate. Uh, we do not check Instagram in in show. Just just warning you now. And threads, we're we're trying to get used to that. We're on Facebook where we're live simulcasting the show. Last I checked, still live simulcasting. We are still live simulcasting at uh, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, we're live simulcasting on YouTube at youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. And then broadcasting in general on Team One Sports app, Android TV, Amazon Fire, Am Apple TV, and Roku is where you can tune in. New Women's Top 25 is out, as we mentioned. Milliken is up to 16th. Granted, they're a little higher in, a, in another poll of our of our favorites, but they're 16th in our poll, and that's built on a good, strong start to the season. Once again, a easy win over Beloit. Uh, Fontbonne was a 15-point win. Otterbein was a 23-point win. DePaul is the one that jumps off the table on the 18th at DePaul of November. They won 86-53. Remember, that's a Transylvania, or a DePaul squad that Transylvania beat at a bit of a closer margin. They also went over Wisconsin Platteville by five and Illinois College handily by 32. When you talk about programs out there that number of people are both in awe of and maybe in some fear of, it's this Milliken Big Blue squad and Olivia Lett and what they're doing. We normally talk to her 
in January or February after the season's been rolling along. I want to hear from her early in the season with so much ahead of us. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Olivia Lett, head coach of Milliken. Coach, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Um, your sixth season, though, as you throw the caveat out there, one of them, one of them was a COVID year. I get that, but you're taking advantage of that COVID year as we speak too, as are many coaches. Did you expect, I asked this of Caleb Kimbrough too, did you expect to have the success you're having at a program that, listen, 21 seasons happened back in the mid-aughts, but since then, 14 wins or maybe 16 wins was considered a, a big deal. Did you expect to have the success you're having now in back-to-back 23-24 win seasons? You know, I, I don't know if you can ever expect that much success uh, that quickly. Uh, we knew that we were getting the right kids in the program, uh, kids that fit the the style that we play and the type of person that's very successful at Milliken. You know, uh, it's a blue-collar school, uh, and we go after blue-collar kids. And, you know, we were able to get uh, players like Bailey Kaufman and Elise Knudsen in our first two recruiting classes. That's going to change things real quickly. Um, you know, two of the most loyal kids that you can find uh, that have just accelerated our growth. Uh, I can't say enough about our senior class from last year and just what they did for us as well, you know, graduated with over a three, nine cumulative GPA over four years and and took our team from winning eight games to playing in the sweet 16 and NCAA tournament. Uh, That, that helps your success quite a bit when you get people like that around you. Yeah, that does yeoman's work to say the least. It certainly helps solidify what you're trying to build as a program. Um, This is, always been an interesting conference too so it wasn't like you're walking into a conference where if you get a little bit of momentum you can turn the program around and be competing you're going up against i mean well your alma mater for starters in illinois wesleyan but a carthage squad that over the years has been pretty good and some others this isn't some slouch you had some heavy lifting was was there any bit that you had to change on campus first and get people to buy in on what you wanted to do was that there it was just a matter of tapping into it. You know, that first year, Yanni Sadler was huge for us. She averaged, I think, 20 points. It was a unanimous first-team all-conference kid on, on, a game, on a team that only won eight games. That's hard to do. Uh, and she really kind of started to change that culture in terms of being in the gym. Her, Aubrey Magro, and then Aubrey Staten decided to, to come in um, – right before my first season as well. And so those three really led the charge, even though we didn't necessarily see the wins that year. Uh, And then Bailey's commitment was huge in terms of that class that kind of allowed a few of the rest of them to fall into place. Uh, You know, she, she watched the fight and the heart uh, that everybody played with. uh, And, I think that really got her to believe in what we could do, even though we weren't doing it yet. Um, she she wanted to be part of that. And that helps just continue to change what that culture is. You know, now it's something where I walk in in the morning and there's already two and three people in the gym. And that's a really cool thing to be a part of. It's not for everybody. And we talk about how difficult it is and how hard it is and that you got to have that commitment level. Um, you're not going to have that big school social life. Um you're going to have something different that is really, really great, but that's not for everybody. And so it's about finding the people that, that really fit that culture. It's amazing too, when someone buys in early or you get those who are going to buy in, who start laying the groundwork and showing everybody 
how it's to be done. And then suddenly everybody figures it out, right? Is it That's the light bulb moment. Oh, absolutely. You know, you can tell the difference between our returners when they're in the gym, too, uh, and our freshmen at the very beginning of the year. And then our freshmen quickly pick up on it. But our returners kind of go in the gym and they know what they're doing. They they know what their workout should look like. They're doing it with a purpose. Uh, and the freshmen are kind of you know wide eyed and figuring it out. Uh, by this point in time of the year, most of them know what they're doing when they're going in there, even by themselves. So many kids you know, through high school, I've only been in a gym with a coach. And so they're, they're waiting for somebody to tell them what to do. And so when they start to, to figure it out themselves and become self-sufficient, it's, it's so helpful for them off the court too. And so you see those wheels start to churn and them start to mature in that way. And that's when they start to be successful on the court too. Yeah. I mean, it helps with academics and it helps with so many other life uh, parts. Um, By the way, the other thing too, you know, you get to work with them earlier now. You get to take part of your year, if you so choose, and work with them earlier. So that's got to be a big benefit as well. Yeah, that was totally different this year. You know, this is the biggest changeover that I've had really in my roster in six years. Uh, You know, we only have three, we only had at the beginning of the year, three returning healthy minute getters. Uh, And prior to that, I had only really ever lost one or two at a time. And so it was much different. Uh, and so those, we used all eight practices before the season started. Uh, and I think it was really beneficial just our, teaching our defense. You know, uh, it's a lot different than what most of them ran in high school or where they were before. Uh, and it, we probably used most of our practices on that end of the basketball uh, just because that's the way most of them are going to get on the floor. You know, we've got some scoring power in Elise, Bailey, and Sophie. And so their best chance to get on the floor is to, to be able to play defense and guard. What, and the other thing, too, there, you, you – I mean, great segue. Talk to me about this team, because as you're rising in the polls, and we'll talk about what happened in the last couple of seasons that's built you towards this, but you did have some turnover this year. But in some ways, I talk to coaches and others out there, they they don't they don't see it that way. They they see you have turnover, but they're not chalking up to, oh, they're gonna have a down year. If anything, I think they're more fearful of you. Yeah, you know, I think we've got we got some transfers in that are helping us right away. Um you know, Matea Tellis, Emily Brenneisen, Anna Blank, Kylie Black have all helped us right out of the gate, helped us fill some of those gaps that, you know, were left by Chelsea McCollum and Miranda, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and then Abby Ratch is rebounding. Sarah Ness was huge for us last year. And so those four transfers have been big. We've got a freshman that I think is playing well for us right now and Christina Rice. And they've all, they all know where the ball is supposed to go in big moments. You know, they know that Elise and Bailey need the ball in their hands. And a lot of times it's knowing what your role is and going out there and being really effective at your role uh you know anytime that you bring back a kid for a fifth year that's not a bad thing um and so you know bailey kaufman was has been robbed a few times due to injury and so it's nice to see her out there and playing strong and playing confidently you obviously know the conference well and that will be the what's coming ahead but first you've got the non-conference slate and it's interesting you've got some testers in there and again it's that DePaul game that jumped off the page at me you know this is a coach who prior to taking on you by a handful of games that had picked up her 700th victory a close loss to Transylvania they get a big win over Calvin you come into town and, and hand it to them and then watch you ends up doing it to them a week later as well but it's still a tough DePaul squad how big a game was that for you all to start this season and to gain that momentum and that encouragement and whatever it is heading into now 
the meat of December. Yeah, you know, I truly believe that DePaul is a, a tournament team. They're big. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if it's something that we're not, it's it's we're not big. Um, and they are. And so that was a game that, that worried me. You know, our defense hadn't really shown what it was yet at that point. Uh, and, and Coach Huffman is a tactician. You know, she's going to give as many schemes at you as possible. And you knew they were going to be prepared. And uh, two years ago when we went over there, they – you know, they gave it to us. And so uh, some of those kids that are out there remember that and remember how physical it was and how much they just diced up our defense, you know, did a lot of things that, that gave us trouble. And we were kind of at the same point at that at, during that season. Uh, early in the year, we had played well. I think we might have been undefeated going into the game and just got smacked. Um, and so it, we were a little bit more prepared for that moment, I would say, this year. You know, you've got more returners. I think our our three big guns are, are playing really composed. You know, we turned around and then went to Platteville, and that was our fourth game in eight days. And I it probably doesn't look like it statistically, but those three played really, really well. Um, that's a game that we don't win last year. You know, we went down to Wash U and lost in overtime, and uh, I wasn't as composed as I needed to be, and I felt much more composed in this game, and I think they looked a lot more composed in this game. You know, just even one time we messed up a play, and Sophie Darden gave the ball right back to the point guard and was like, no, wait, and uh, ran the set the correct way at that point. And that's something that in the past I don't know that she's had the composure to do. So it's, it's always cool when you see your seniors play like seniors. Yeah, that's that's a huge step, uh, and having the patience to also understand. Hey, we got time on the clock. It's okay, we can do this. By the way, if it makes you feel better, yes, you were uh, you were undefeated uh, going into that game. Uh, started a three game slide, unfortunately, but you made up for it next year uh, by winning, getting the win last year, seventy to forty two. Um, speaking of last year and the year before, listen, big waves made the NCAA tournament two years ago. You got to the second weekend before um, Hope did what Hope does to everyone at that juncture of their uh, of their program. Last year, you get to the NCAA tournament and you dispatch Emory and then Transylvania, who obviously was not going to be beaten by anybody, beat you guys on their floor by 12. What have you all learned from those two experiences that, A, you can use this season heading into hopefully another March run, but B, can tell those transfers and tell those newbies exactly what it was like to be in those shoes and what you need to do to take the next evolutionary step. Well, I can tell you, uh, NYU and us both lost to the eventual national champs two years in a row. Um, And so we've got that under our belt. Um, But I think that there's just a a difference, uh, a different level of composure. Um, And and like I said, that that Platteville game really felt like an NCAA tournament game. They played hard. It was physical. They were big. Um, They played with a lot of heart. And it it came down to a few possessions at the end. And I I thought some of our uh, transfers played really well in that game, too, and just really composed. Um, You know, today in practice, we talked about the fact that uh you know our third group was getting frustrated and i said you're playing against a group right now that is a top 15 top 20 in the country and uh you know and they're playing well right now we started moving the ball a little bit better in practice tonight and uh that looked really really good and um 
So I think it allows them over the course of time to, to come up with that composure and practice too. You know, we try to make sure that our practices are harder than any of the games. That's the goal is put them in those challenging situations where, you know, it's five on seven at times or whatever it needs to be to, to try to mimic some of those things. And I thought both the DePaul game and the Platteville game, we did a few things that just were way more composed than, especially the Transylvania game, you know, um, we definitely, they got to us in that game. That, that zone is something different. And until you've seen it and experienced it, uh, you don't really understand how different it is. Yeah, I've heard that from a few people. Um, just a couple, two, three have mentioned that that zone or, or Christopher Newport's is uh, one that, and again, hope. But that's the thing. You're taking on some really tough teams, playing pretty well in those games. It's not like you're some team that doesn't belong. You've proven that you guys belong. And I think that's what scares a lot of people about your team and about that program is not only how quickly you've gotten it to where it is, but that it is solid and it's not going to be some walkover game. You've got a conference ahead of you that's been rather interesting. Carroll finished second. They're in the next couple of games for you. Augustana finished third. Oh, by the way, they're your next game. Uh, and Illinois Wesleyan, your alma mater is lurking along with Wheaton and maybe Carthage gets back into the conversation. What do you need to do to not lose focus of what the season is, but understand that the next couple of games in terms of the the tenor of the rest of the season are going to be kind of important? Yeah, you know, we, we've kind of tried to chunk it a little bit. Uh, you know, going into these next two, we had talked about just the fact that um, – you know, it was a tough stretch. Augie is who we played in the conference title last year. Uh, so we know that they're going to give us everything that we want. You know, they've got a great shooter in Macy Beinborn. And I, I think Whitlock is one of the better posts in our league. She's just very, very physical. And they do some things that, that can give us trouble. You know, Elmhurst has a new coach. Uh, they're going to look completely different. Uh, that's somewhere where, yeah, we got a big win last year. And so it's a scary game because it's coming off of a weekend off. And it's a completely new coach, something that we have necessarily prep for uh you know historically we have not played great on the road uh and so going up to carroll is a game that's we've got we were talking already about how do we play better off the bus you know how do we attack that day a little bit different uh and then you know the conference schedule is obviously tough but we go up to hope there right before christmas and uh get a shot of at playing in front of hopefully a nice crowd again yeah, it probably will be, especially before Christmas. I noticed the first game, at least on our schedule, I meant to check yours, is uh, TBA. Have you guys determined who you're playing? Yeah, we'll be playing Alma. Oh, you will be playing Alma. Alma and then Hope. Yes. Got it. Yep, I see that now. Um, oh, yeah, there it is. Nope, just a little glitch on our end, actually. Um, so, obviously, it's going to be a test, and Augustana is going to be there with you. So, at least you've already played them. You're not going to have to give away any secrets, necessarily. But again, about chunks, after that, you then you know get a little bit of a break for the holidays. You'll play one game as a tune-up against Central before you get back into conference play. Again, it's about chunk. It's about um, goals in the small term. And I know you don't want to look too far ahead. And I'm sure, though, that you've got bigger goals. And I'm assuming conference championship back in the NCAA tournament is part of that. How do you focus on the small while not losing track of the large? You know, I think that goes back to that experience of uh, 
I try to be really honest with them uh, about what games mean too. You know, we going into the DePaul game, we talked about wanting to play at home in the NCAA tournament. You know, that's one of our goals. Uh, we have played fairly well at home uh, and we love playing in front of our crowd. Uh, we love how many kids we got in the stands and, you know, getting that, that chance to be a role model for little girls that are in the stands. And so that's something for them that really resonates. Uh, and we know what it's going to take to do that. You know, we knew that probably losing at, at WashU in overtime might've cost us that opportunity last year. And so it, it put more weight on each individual game as opposed to getting too big. But, you know, when you know, you've got the Wheatons, the Carols, the Illinois Wesleyans lurking around the corner, it's easy to slip up and, and not be prepared. You know, we haven't played well at North Central. They they almost got us last year up there. We were down 18 at one point in time. And so it, every night in the CCIW is a grind. You just, especially if you've got that target on your back, you know, and I think there's going to be a few different teams with targets on their back this year based on how everybody's playing in the non-conference right now. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, it's looking like it could be a fascinating conference. It's been up and down. There's some years we expect it to be, you know, banger, awesome, and it ends up not being, or we don't really expect much out of it and it turns into a barn burner or whatever. It's been a bit of an up-and-down conference. You've been in it for a long time. Is it better now because of the diversity a little bit, that it's not always the same su uh, suspects as it were? Or did you enjoy it more when you were playing when you all were numero uno and everybody else could just sit and wait? <laughs> I think you always enjoy being at the top, but there, I think there's a lot more parity now. Uh, you know, Wheaton is, I think, very tough right now. And I think it's, it's a lot of it is because of just the experience you see amongst all of the teams. You know, I think everybody is pretty senior heavy right now. Uh, you know, Annie Tate is back for Wheaton uh, and uh, they've got a couple other kids that are playing really well for them. Uh, you know, Wesleyan's got Lauren Huber uh, that's playing great. They've got a transfer that's playing really well for them right now too. Uh, Carol's got Olivia Rangel, who's an all region, all American style player. Uh, and so everybody has an upperclassman that is really leading the charge. And, you know, I already mentioned Macy, at, at Augie and so that's different than what it's been for the last two or three years the last two or three years everybody's been fairly young I would say and so when you see ever that development you're going to see more wins in the non-conference and then hopefully more competition in terms of the NCAA tournament yeah fair point uh your coach must your former coach uh must have been so thrilled that not only did you take over the program at Milliken but you got good and have dethroned your alma mater. That's got to be a fun little back and forth between the two of you. You know, we uh, we try to treat like that like any other game, uh, you know, and I think that's sure. something that <laughs> is – is never easy to do right it's been battles every time that we have played them um and i, I think that's one of the ways that you create a rivalry again right you've got to win the, win the game occasionally and i i don't know that it was a rivalry there for a little stretch um now we've won a few games and so now it's getting back to that point uh, but i think it's good for our conference in general that we we are just battling more um, and we're winning some of those non-conference games. You know, they've, they got a, a big win this weekend. Now I can't remember who they beat. Um, they beat Wash U and uh, Rose Holman, right? And then they played Whitewater yep. uh, to the wire last week. Yep. Carroll played Chicago to the wire last week. Well, and they played uh, tough so against Hope, too. 
Yes. So we've had some battles in terms of the CCIW this year, and it's nice to really, truly be back in that conversation, not be trying to get yourself in that conversation for the conference to truly be back in that conversation. In a twist, you're going to play them twice in a week in a three game span. (laughs) I mean, talk about cruel. It's November. I'm sorry, January 17th on the road at Illinois Wesleyan, then on the road at Elmhurst on the 20th, then back home against Illinois Wesleyan on the 24th. I mean, I guess rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with, fine, but no one wants to see that kind of team on back to you know, essentially back-to-back games in a short time span. Yeah, I, I do think that's a tough stretch, you know, because at different times we've both had players out. Uh, you know, last year we both had uh, – stud players for us out at different times and if that falls in that week that is a rough break for either team you don't want to see that you know you want both teams to be at their best and so I don't love the fact that they're that close because of the fact that that being one of the reasons you know you know you don't want it to be because somebody's injured or or something in that case so here's hoping that everybody's healthy at that point yeah, I hear you. I, I don't mind. Listen, I know the UAA has a quirk. They go back-to-back weekends with yes. with their travel. But I, for the most part, I'd rather see, especially rivals, they, they get bookend. I, I don't want to see them close, and that's in all sports. By the way, quick question. Decatur, if nobody's familiar, dead center of Illinois, you're equal distant from Champaign and the big, you know, big behemoth Illinois and equal distant to Springfield, the capital. Kind of far, though, from Chicago, I'm a little closer to St. Louis. Is that a tough area to recruit? especially a college student too, and, and get them excited to come into that neck of the woods? Uh, it's different. Like we talked about earlier, we got to know who fits us, you know? Uh, Fair, yeah. Th- thankfully for us, you know, we, we've done a really good job on the academic side. I think our academics are strong, as most D3 schools are. But last year, we were number two in the country in terms of team GPA. That, that's going to help. Um, that's going to help pull some people that's this way. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and like I said, it's about finding the right people. Um, you know, I think if Elise Knudsen could have kept playing at her high school for another four years, she would have uh, because she's that loyal. And so she likes to be around her family and friends and play in front of the people that she cares about. Same thing with everybody else that's on our roster. So uh, a lot of our roster is predominantly within 90 minutes to two hours because we know that's the type of kid that fits us. We're trying to find those ones that kind of fall through the cracks under the radar. Um, and it realistically, we recruit against a lot more junior colleges than we do a lot of division three schools interesting yeah that divi- the junior college world i think is going to change some things a bit with the transfer portals too i think that's kind of the next evolution maybe you do a couple years at a junior college then transfer into a d3 for a two or three year run um that could be the next evolutionary wave with all of this hey olivia i could talk to you forever love chatting with you especially just the idea that you've done so well with that program uh, it's not like you jumped around to a bunch of different schools and, and tried to figure it out first. You figured it out when they figured it out, and it's fun to watch. Uh, but I got to let you go because it's not fair to rob all your time. I know you need to rob, but I do appreciate it. As always, we give the coach. So the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, I do want to just send thoughts and prayers to Platteville again. You know, we were just there, uh, tough loss there, and I, I can't imagine what a lot of them are going through. Um, so I wanted to make a point. To, I, I knew this was coming this time, so I wanted to make a point to, <laughs> to just send thoughts and prayers that way. Um, and then, again, thanks, Dave, for all that you do for Division Three. Um, we do appreciate it and uh, appreciate all the publicity. 
Well, thank you, Olivia. Well said about Platteville. We mentioned them last show, and certainly our thoughts are still with them as well. Tough time of year as well. But again, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, I'm circling that week in January. I'm going to watch you and and Maya a little bit uh, during that stretch. But we look forward to having you back on the show at a later date. Enjoy the rest of the season and the holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Olivia Lett joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time to do so. Busy night for her, as all coaches are, and uh, appreciate her finding the time to join us. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll switch back to the men's conversation, and we will have a convo with uh, the the interim head coach at Keene State on the men's side. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with plenty more when we come back. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. The well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, 
But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back, everybody, to Hoopsville as we continue to roll along live. Thanks for bearing with a couple of technical gremlins tonight, but certainly a better show. And heck, the voice is holding off, so holding up. So we'll we'll take that for the win. Have you got questions for us? Information at the bottom of your screen. We'll wrap up the last segment of the show with a quick look at the top twenty-five and some news and notes on that and some other things. And if you have any questions, we'll try and answer those as well. A uh, quick, couple quick scoring updates in men's basketball. Oswego defeated St. Lawrence 66-58. Oswego was actually down by two at halftime, 26-24, but outscored St. Lawrence by 10 in the second half to win and go 4-0 now. St. Lawrence picks up their first loss. Uh, Scranton women absolutely housed Stevens. Uh, it was an 89-54 finish. Scranton was leading after the first quarter at the opening 10 minutes, 30-16. to and while that was the highest scoring game, uh, quarter for either team, Scranton didn't score less than 15 the rest of the game, and Stevens didn't score more than that 16 in the first quarter in any of the quarters and go on to win 89-54 do the Royals, who are now 4-0. Stevens suffers their first loss. They're now 5-1. and Up in New England, back into the Little East, which we don't do all that often, but uh, Keene State men's basketball is certainly one we've been keeping an eye on all summer because not only did they uh, take a loss in the NCAA tournament to Swarthmore on a team that probably really wasn't 100%, but we certainly knew they were frustrated by it. But as a result, interestingly enough, their head coach, Ryan Kane, was persuaded to go to Johns Hopkins down here in Baltimore and take over a program there. That left David Hastings in control of the Owls. He's got an interesting backstory, and this team is certainly ready to try and tackle and win it all if they can, or at least go a little bit further with David Hastings, at least on an interim level, in charge. We talked to him earlier today. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Keene State Owls on the interim basis for now. It's David Hastings. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. Um, I don't know if a year ago in, in this seat you would have expected to be the head coach of the Keene State Owls, but it's been an interesting year. We'll talk a lot about it, but first and foremost, welcome to the program and congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me on the program, and yeah, it's, I'm a very blessed individual to be sitting in this chair. Nothing against Ryan Kane. I love the man, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of them down here in the Mid-Atlantic region. But Ryan had a huge personality that I think when people thought of Keene State, they thought of Ryan. They don't think much about the coaching staff. There are some other programs. I got to know the assistants pretty darn well as well. I didn't get to know you as well. We didn't get to understand who you and the rest of the staff were. Give us a sense of kind of where your background is, what got you involved with Keene State, et cetera, and has allowed you to, to step into this interim role. 
Well, first of all, I love Ryan Kane as well. Uh, we talk two, three times a week. Um, I consider him a true friend in in the basketball community. So I, I think it's outstanding that he had the opportunity to go where he is, and I have the opportunity to be where I am. Um, yeah, no, he, he was very out there. He was very uh, flamboyant. He was energetic. He was a uh, he was just really out in the forefront of everything. Uh, as a staff itself, I thought we all did a great job of doing what we needed to do to get the team to the uh, level that we wanted them to perform at. So there was really no need for anybody else to do, um, trying to think of the right word here. We, we didn't need to express ourselves in a way that Ryan was doing it. And our program kind of spoke for itself in that sense. Fair point. And, and usually different programs, the way they work, that works. Um, you don't have to know everybody. So listen, I know uh, when everything came to a, Crashing halt, unfortunately, last season, once again at the hands of Swarthmore. The team wasn't 100%. We knew, we knew that, or at least we figured that out at the end of the, of, the, of the moment, but certainly had a feeling going in. And I wasn't there, but Ryan Scott talks about, you know, this team was like, you know, we're coming back, man. This is not how this ends for us. We, we're coming back. We're going to do this again. We're going to knock them off or whoever it was. We have unfinished business. And at no time in that moment do I ever suspect that Ryan Kane thought he'd be moving on to another job or players thought that there would be a change, yourselves or all. I mean, it's it didn't feel like that was at all on anyone's radar. Heck, I don't think any of us thought Josh Leffler was leaving for Cincinnati, which opened the door at Hopkins, which opened the door for Ryan Kane. That all said, interesting offseason. How do does a does a departure of Coach Kane give pause at any point in the offseason, or does it help everyone double down? Well, I think every point you just made there was fantastic and absolutely true. Um, no one expected any of this to happen, but on the upside, the guys that were coming back were all people that I had a heavy hand in recruiting each one of them. We already had that developed relationship. We already had an established program with a foundation. Ryan and I are different people. We have some different uh, ways that we coach or some different things that we may do on the court. But in general, we knew that we had what would it, what it took to get to that point. And, you know, to me, teams like Swarthmore, when you win, lose, or draw in a game like that, it was still a phenomenal game. And they were a great team. You know, it took a great team to beat a great team. And there's no excuses about our injuries or illnesses or anything else. Uh, they deserved it. And we needed to be better than we were last year. And we're hoping this year we can take it another step or two further. Obviously, the familiarity makes it easy for someone like yourself to take over from the interim status. The players know you. You know the system. You might be a different coach. You might have different styles, but everything is understood. But admittedly, even myself as a top 25 voter, and and I did this with Johns Hopkins as well, I went, it's still a coaching change. It's still a change. It is a different personality. It is a different mentality. Maybe you aren't going to run the same stuff Ryan want, you know, ran. It's not going to be the same Keene State squad that we're used to. So I kind of knocked everyone down a few pegs to see how that would develop. Is that fair? Is, is it to look at a scenario like yours to say, yeah, this is still not going to be the same Keene State, but we're going to be ourselves and judge us by that? I did notice you talk, knocked us down a peg or two. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a number of people that were, uh, I listened to the different podcasts, and there was always a question about the coaching change that was taking place. They can be good and bad. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I would like to think that 
the relationship I have with the players and the style of coaching that I do are going to maintain a certain level. I think so far we've done pretty well with it. The Stockton game was a was a hiccup, I'm hoping. Uh, we came back strong the very next game of Platteville, and we we performed well since then. We'll see how it continues to to play out throughout the year. Uh, but again, pretty hard to say you want to change much for a 28 and two team. I mean, Ryan had us going here, uh, and again, when I say Ryan, I still think it was a collective attitude of everybody within the team, the players, the coaches, all together. We all supported each other and relied on each other. And certainly Ryan was the guiding force on top of that. My last comment about Ryan is I don't think he knew what the Hopkins schedule was to start the season when he took over the job. I do wonder if he called you guys and said, I've, I've, I've my mistake. I'm coming back. And that's just tongue in cheek. It is the Hopkins schedule is insane. Uh, and they're dealing with their own stuff. But from your perspective, you obviously already knew what this schedule was going to bring. You knew what you guys were had accomplished, what you want to accomplish. So what was the goal to the team as you broke camp, as it were, to use an NFL reference, and headed into the season knowing that, A, you're going out to San Diego for a, kind of an unknown event. It, it's, it's, it's existed, but being out in S South Dakota is a new thing. I think I said San Diego there for a second. South Dakota. Yeah, the Colts. We would have rather there. been in San Diego, maybe. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say. The weather was a little different. Aberdeen, South Dakota, San Diego, eh, it's slightly different. Um, but what was the mentality? How? What was the goal? Was it, hey, let's, let's go and – knock all the socks off or play each game at a time. And if we lose, we lose. So be it. We'll figure this out. Yeah. Let me say the, the tournament out in South Dakota is phenomenally uh, small basketball championship classic is, is outstanding. The way it's run is very good. Uh, the facility was number one. We loved it. It was a great opportunity. And as far as the schedules go, Ryan's insane, no matter what, because currently we're going to play four games in seven days. And he put that whole schedule together too. That's uh, true. With That's that true. said, <laughs> yeah, with that said, um, yeah, I mean, we, I take one game at a time, you know, people ask all the time about what the schedule looks like and who we're playing at certain points in the season. And I'm, I'm a little bit older. I'm not a young coach here. I've been around the block as uh, a couple of the uh, experts have noted a, a few times about me being around the block. Um, and I take it in jest. I, I appreciate that. Uh, so the, the fact is, we take one game at a time. The opportunity to go out and play Stockton and Platteville was fantastic. Two really good teams. We got a great experience out there. And we come back and we play really good teams when we come back here. So the idea of playing the best available competition is what we want to do. The idea that our players have been to a certain level and they want to go further along. You know, our, our goals are there. But I really don't. I try to get our players to not get too high, not get too low, and definitely don't look far ahead. The most important game is the next one coming. Uh, we talk about the team. Let's talk about the team. Uh, tell us, you know, give us the breakdown. Who, how much did you lose really in the offseason? Or how much really came back? And how is this team kind of gelling with anything that's come in new? Yeah, so we lost one player that actually played 23 minutes a game last year, Jarrett Shishan. He was more of a Swiss Army knife. He did everything well, nothing great. Uh, huge loss to the team as far as what he brought. He was the third leading scorer. He was the third leading rebounder. Um, most physical kid that we had. And then we graduated three other guys that didn't really play much. So we returned quite a bit. Uh, but again, expectations are expectations. You still have to go out and play the game. 
We're one of only two teams, I think, in Division Three that have returning All-Americans. Obviously, Jeff Hunter, everyone knows across the country, what is it, 26 double-doubles last year out of our 30 games. Yeah, a couple, two, three. person. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Octavio Brito is uh, just a a tremendous athlete that scored his 1,000 points already in our first game this year as a junior. Uh, He's got a huge upside. We returned the, the... point guard and the off guard, Nate Seau and Mason Jean Batiste. Mason may be the most solid, consistent player game in and game out that we have on all aspects of the game of basketball. So we just had to find a fifth starter, which we've gone with a couple different guys this year so far. One that was with us last year, uh, transferred in midseason, Tamin Dupree. And Alonzo Linton was another one who was uh, with the team last year, but he wasn't actually on the roster. He is rostered this year, and he's been playing really well, along with uh, Spencer Aronson, who may be our best shooter on the team. So we've got a good thing going right now. Uh, A lot of people are being involved. I should mention we had a a player out injured in the beginning of the year, a point guard, Mike Crothers, who in the last two games is, I think he's had um, 19 assists and two turnovers. So when you get a guy like that back, they're playing hard. They're playing well. They're playing for each other. We should mention Hunter and Brito both scoring nearly 19 points a game. Gene Baptiste, 12 and a half. And guys like Dupree knocking on the door, double figures as well. Listen, this program and this team has had a, has very much had the moniker of the underdog slash having gotten over the hump, um, flash in the pan. I'm using some terms I've heard uh, thrown around. Listen, expectations have never been high. Okay, great. You're having a great, wonderful start to the season, but we'll, we'll see you in March. Has that changed internally? Are you still driving off of that? Are you still are you still feeding off the we're underrated um, kind of motif that everyone has for the Owls over the last few years, whether that's true this year or not? I think that really doesn't come up until he gets nationally. I think within our conference. Um, so I've been here. This is my eighth year. Out of my first seven years, I think we were in the conference championship six times out of those. So I I think within our conference, we kind of looked at like we're on top. And I think every team wants to bring their best, their best game when they get to play Keene State. I'm not sure the most liked group around. So that helps as well. But that's within the conference. Once we get outside, yeah, I I would say we're the underdog card. We're a state school that comes out and I I consider us a bunch of blue collar lunchbox, lunchbox type players. That's what I try to insist upon the players to understand that when we go out, we got to we gotta work hard. You know, we're not going to be the most talented ever. We're not going to be the most skilled ever. We're going to go out and we're going to give it 100% each and every time we step on the court. And when we get done, I want everybody to know Keene State was there. Makes total sense. And speaking of which, you've got Albertus Magnus, a very similar squad in terms of respect us, know we're here, um, especially – handful of years ago St. Joseph's kind of knocked them off a little bit and they want that respect back so you got them coming up in a non-conference game coming up on Tuesday and then you get a couple of home games in conference play it's an interesting kind of time of year where you're mixing and matching a little bit of the non-conference and the conference we'll talk about what happens later in December but is this an important stretch ahead for you yeah I think it's pretty important between here and the Christmas break um Playing Albertus Magnus tomorrow night is going to be fantastic. They're undefeated team right now, playing very well. I watched them play Emerson the other night. They're they're going to be tough. 
I mean, that's the kind of game that we want. We want to we want to have a good, tough physical game and see how we match up. Hopefully we come out on the on the side that we want to come out on. But that'll really remain in the players hands. Do they execute properly and do we play aggressively enough to contain what Albertus Magnus brings to the table? And then you'll play Tufts to wrap things up pre-Christmas on the 9th. Then you'll get basically almost a month off before you get back into conference play with a Middlebury non-conference game sprinkled in uh, late in January. How important is the this break? You know, whether no matter how things happen in the next five, after December 9th, before January 3rd, how important is that time going to be for this team to kind of keep the momentum, keep the mentality when there's a lot of other things to be distracted by, including in New England, maybe snow and some pretty lights. Yeah, well, I'm a firm believer in family. So the idea that we're going to get through that last game with Tufts, have a couple practices, they'll take their midterms and go home and spend some time with their family, I think is what every every young person should do and needs. So then we'll bring them back after Christmas. We'll get back into it. And yeah, our, not, our conference games will begin. Obviously, Middlebury is always a, very tough game for us and they're playing pretty well this year and we have to give our best effort there as well hey a little bit about yourself uh in case anyone knows we have interim on the graphic they've got acting on the website it, it isn't the uh, official job yet we'll talk about that in a minute but give me a little bit of your background i got a kick out of the fact that a you're from western massachusetts an area i certainly know well from my prep school days uh, but at the same time you're a retired police chief that this basketball thing isn't necessarily number one. It's maybe 1B for a long time. Now that the A is removed, it's become the soul. Tell us a little bit about that that background. Well, I guess you would have to say 1B, although many of my law enforcement community members used to call me coach rather than chief. <laughs> my, my email always said coach rather than chief. Uh, I, I was very fortunate to be in law enforcement for a long period of time. 34 years between, I started out at the U University of Massachusetts in Amherst, uh, which is a city in itself. And then I had the opportunity to go back to my hometown, which most people aren't aware of it other than Mount Hermon is in my town. So anybody in the basketball world would know that. And I was the chief there for 24 years. So yeah, 34 years in, in total in law enforcement, but I've been coaching basketball since my oldest son who turns 40 uh, next week, excuse me. Wednesday, he turns 40. Uh, I was coaching him since he was in third grade. I've always been involved in athletics and coaching. I've coached at numerous high schools and really all the sports. I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I said 1B because it's basketball. If I figured, you know, I could you. be a little bit illiterate. But I get what your point is. I mean, that's what I hear from a lot of individuals. Obviously, you know, you're assistant to Ryan Kane, and now you're the acting slash interim head coach of this program. Is this a program? Is this what you want to do? Is this where you want to be? Do you want that title made more permanent? Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, had told Ryan for years, I just needed him to call in sick once so I could say that I, I got to coach a college basketball team. It's been a dream of mine for quite some time. Ever since I, Like I said, I've been here for seven years with Ryan, uh, two years as an assistant and five years as the associate head coach. I thought maybe during COVID, I was going to have my shot. He got COVID. Found out like two hours later, I had it too. So that screwed that up. Um, no, it's it's been a lifelong dream. I When I say I'm blessed to be able to do this, I am very blessed. I don't do it for anything other than the love of the basketball game. I'm retired. There's a lot of things I don't need that they try to offer. I'm like, I'm good. 
I'm doing what I want right here, spending time with these young men, helping to create what's going to be out there in the community, as well as what's on the basketball court. That's pretty cool. Um, and and I can totally see the, the urge to have Ryan just sit a game so you can get one to yourself. Now you got the whole program to yourself. Obviously, as a state school, not surprising to have the acting slash interim title put on for a year before they make an official decision certainly not going to prognosticate on on what their decisions may be but do you get the sense this is your program yes i feel very confident with what's going on uh ryan started the same way when he came here i don't know if rob did before ryan i don't go that far back uh but yeah i feel very good i have a great relationship with the players great relationship with the staff here at keen state i love our president i love our athletic director and I, I think things are going well. Uh, so the idea of being a state school and being here and dedicating what I can dedicate to this place, I'm good with. Well, very great uh, experience to chat with you. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Congratulations to the team on, listen, just the accomplishment in itself to get to where this program has gone when I know the goal for a long time was to be here you just had to get here, and some teams break down in that struggle. So it's great to see that you guys are here, and you're still got the mission in front of you. And and I'm expecting to still be talking about the Owls quite a bit later in this year. So thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the job. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? All I would say is that everybody should be blessed to be healthy and safe. I appreciate you having us on this program. Go Owls. Well put, Coach. Thank you again. Take care of yourself. Have a great holiday season. Have a great basketball season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you. Hey, Masings, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate Coach joining us. Uh, great to chat with uh, the former chief of police uh, up there in New England. And uh, we'll fascinating to see how they turn out, right? Um, in the latest top 25, they are now the seventh-ranked owls of keen state four and one overall they've got albertus magnus ahead on tuesday then home against southern maine and westfield state and then on the road against plymouth state those are three games in essentially five days the second the fourth and the sixth and then they'll wrap up the pre-christmas pre well the 2023 side of things with a game against tufts on the ninth and then they'll take the break until getting back into conference play on the first of january against Castle or 3rd of January against Castleton. We'll take a quick break when we come back we'll wrap up the show, wrap up our thoughts on the top 25, give you a heads up on what we're doing the rest in the next few weeks as well. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by d3hoops.com back with more after this the national association of basketball coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level the nabc strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership service advocacy education and inclusion to learn more about the nabc and to become a member visit nabc.com and follow the nabc on social media at nabc 1927 that's nabc.com or NABC 1927 on social media. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else 
is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoops Hello, everybody. As we wrap up our show here on November 27th, appreciate everybody tuning in and coming on. If you're a podcast member, we finally got our podcast up and running. Sorry for the delay, piecing things together. Uh, not even sure when I say this, if we'll be able to, what order we'll put things up, but we'll certainly get our, our shows up and anything you may have missed uh, from the previous two shows. This is the first regular show that's for podcasts, especially reasons, has gone according to plan and normal. If you've got questions for us, last chance, you can interact with us either on our streams on Facebook or YouTube, um, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com, or you can join us uh, on the social media avenues, Twitter and Facebook and all of that jazz. Um, keeping track of things so far, it's been a little bit quiet, but it's also early in the season, and that's not all that common, to say the least. Um one thing that came up <clears throat> on the YouTube chat was the conversation about um, the game between Oswego and St. Lawrence. And if you look at it, a, uh, a eight-point win by Oswego, winning the second half by 10. They were down at halftime. Uh, in a back-to-back games nine, day, nine days apart, St. Louis has lost to Williams in overtime 66-58 and lost to Oswego in regulation. 66-58. After starting the season 3-0 against Potsdam, Plattsburgh, and St. Joseph's of Long Island, uh, they now get into conference play in four days' time against RPI and Skidmore on the road next, this coming weekend, and then they're home uh, against Clarkson next week, and then back in a non-conference play against Geneseo before they'll get back into conference action. And the person said, and I certainly understand where this comes from, says... Uh, uh, Travis says, maybe some Region 3 parity this year. Strong game from SLU against Oswego up at half, tied or within a possession or two until the last two minutes. Fouls and overtime loss to Williams, which they led most of. Yes, could be some parity from St. Lawrence. I would love to see them back in the conversation, to say the least. 19-8 uh, last year, certainly a strong year with a 13-5 and finish in the Liberty League. 16-10 and the year before that. Of course, pre-COVID, they were 8-17. and 
Um, two seasons where they didn't win double digits in three years. They, they just haven't been that strength that we expect. Um, and a bit up and down at St. Lawrence. But here's the thing that I key on. I don't key on a game that St. Lawrence plays against an Oswego or a Williams to kind of give me an understanding of the parity. Because, listen, everyone's going to be up, as it were, for a game against a ranked or a national a team in the national conversation, right? So <clears throat> I expect, you know, there to be quirks where Oswego's going to get everybody's best efforts. And only those who are really struggling are not going to be able to at least give them a good game for most of it. And for St. Lawrence, I would expect them to give Williams and Oswego a, a good run. And, and they did in back-to-back games, unfortunately, losses. No, it's going to be the games against the RPIs and the Skidmores, though that's not fair on Skidmore, and Clarkson's, the Geneseos, the Vassar game, the Bard game. Those are the games for me that are going to, that are going to ring more true, not only because they're conference games, but because those are the games that maybe you're not going to be as a team as focused for. Uh, it's not a nationally ranked team. It's not one who's in the conversation. It's not one who might be regionally ranked. Can you be up, <clears throat> excuse me, for that game and, and be ready to go when the time calls? And or are you going to take losses that make no sense? You know, Ithaca had a good year last year. St. Lawrence was second in the conference. Hobart was third. Okay. What are you going to do against RPI, Skidmore, Vassar, Clarkson, Rochester Tech, Union, and Bard? What are you going to do against Geneseo? What are you going to do um, against anybody else who isn't getting the national attention? And that's what's going to tell me more about parity in, in Region 3. Region 3 is interesting. Rochester's off to a 2-3 and three start this year. Um, you know, Brockport may not be that power we expect after you know their head coach left in the offseason or shortly before the start of this season. Um, you know, are we going to see the Suniac be as strong? I don't know. I think Region 3 is got a lot of things we're still waiting to find out. And it's going to take maybe till mid-January before we really understand if Region 3 is going to be better than it usually is, i.e., can it pre- present a solid at-large selection, though we certainly argued it should have two years ago in Utica, or really, should they... Can they produce a second or third at-large selection that's worthy of being in that conversation? And I think it's going to take a little more time and not just uh, SLU playing two tough games against Williams and Oswego. And it's not a knock on those guys. I just want to see what they do the rest of the season. And I want to see what everybody else does the rest of the season uh, as well. Top 25s, as we mentioned, are out. They're on the website at d3hoops.com. Certainly worth checking out. A lot of new men's teams in the top 25. Ten of them, in, in fact, um, uh, ridiculous voting in this top 25 to say the least i have no confidence whatsoever that i got more than a handful of these in positions i am comfortable with i i spent a lot of time erasing um i've got teams way lower than i ever thought i would have them but i don't have room to put them ahead i got teams that are way higher than i would expect but i can't argue to put them down lower um admittedly i'm surprised i mean i left randolph making in as my 25th because at some point i just needed to pull the trigger on something and i think those two losses were tough losses. Uh, I don't. I'm not putting a ton of stock in um, them being somehow not a top 25 team, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm voting for guys and, and and teams that not anybody else seems to be paying attention to. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I was wondering how long until the voice was going to uh, 
shut down on us. Utica's got three uh, votes in the top 25, and they're all coming from me. Maybe I'm delusional. I don't know. Something about this Utica team that I, I'm not counting out. So they're getting three votes, and, and they're coming from me. Um, somebody's voting for Arcadia in 25th. Someone's voting for Concordia Moorhead 25th. Um, I'm surprised Catholic fell out, but I think it has to do with more teams trying to fit in vote uh, members. I'm a little surprised that Illinois Wesleyan jumped into the top 25 as high as they did. A loss to Mary Harden Baylor and a loss to Marietta while beating WashU. Okay. Feels a little up and down. I, I, I got to a point where I didn't have enough room. And I probably put WashU way too high considering they lost to Illinois Wesleyan. And, and that's where I got stuck. I, I got super stuck with a lot of this. I'm like, well, if I really want to vote on that based on that result, well, I got to move them 15 spots down. Well, if I'm going to do that, who am I going to fill into the other 14 spots? Because I can make that argument with everybody else. Really difficult vote. Um, and again, I'm I'm not confident at all other than a handful of, of teams. Hamden and Sydney second. I've got them fourth. Um. I'm voting higher than many on Case Western Reserve, but again, I'm voting higher on some others that maybe I'm losing my mind. So, um, well, very nice. Travis points out Utica beat Ithaca at Ithaca tonight. Pre- precedent voting on your part, Dave. Uh, thank you. I meant to look that score up, and I totally missed it. Where was it? There it is. Yeah, Utica 82, Ithaca 71. Yeah, there's something about Utica that just is speaking to me you know obviously 20 back-to-back 23 win campaigns is part of that i I like what sean coffee's doing who knows how much longer they're going to be in division three for that matter um nothing to write home about the loss to morrisville state i moved them down my poll um but i thought they played pretty well and we're going to good test against hamilton coming up on the 7th of december Cortland will be a good test on our new head coach on the 16th of december Unfortunately, that's about where Utica's tests are going to end. I, I think the Empire 8 is going to be tough. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think Nazareth will be a, a, another tough team. St. John Fisher will be difficult this year. I know Naz is off to a 2-3 and three start, but I, you know, there's never a time Broderick's teams are not ready. Uh, St. John Fisher is off to that 3-2 and two start with a loss to Hobart and Penn State-Harrisburg. Penn State-Harrisburg, a team I wanted to vote in. I couldn't find a hole for them. Um, top 25 is tough this year, man. Really, really tough. Uh, it's been tough for a number of years, but I've got teams where I didn't think I'd have them that low. I got Christopher Newport 20th. They're five and two. There was a part of me that wanted to keep them 10th and I probably could have, I could have moved everybody around and kept them 10th. Um, it's more about, I'm just worried about injuries. If they're, if they're back and healthy, then I'll move them back up. But I'm a little worried about injuries, but it's going to be fascinating to see how this all breaks out. I don't vote in the women's side, but I think the women's side, is interesting this year. I, I'm still trying to get my finger on a few teams. I mean, Smith already took a loss this year. That's interesting. Trinity took Texas already took a loss this year. That's interesting. Um, Trine's already taken a loss. DeSales has already taken a loss. Hobart or Hope's already taken a loss. Mary Washington's already taken a loss. There's some losses that have popped up early on the women's side that surprised me to say this, to say the least. A uh, quick update, we will not be on the air uh, again on um, Thursday because we'll be down at the soccer championships for women and men in Division Three, 
and I have a meeting of another job that has popped up for that night. Would have been a little hard. Uh, if I wasn't traveling, there was a basketball game that night. So we would have done an earlier show anyway. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we will not have a show Thursday. We will be back on the air next Monday. And we will have a few guests. And we'll get our men's panel on the air to talk about the opening month of the season. If you're wanting to know when we'll get the women's panel, i got to talk to the guys. But I'm hoping, hoping we can get them on in two weeks' time. Um, we'll start our Monday-Thursday run of shows, as long as I'm still feeling all right to do it, uh, next week as well. Um, and we'll go from there. Uh, if you've got guest ideas or you think of a segment that you think we should do, email us, hoopsville.d3sports.com. Let us know about it. We'll certainly consider it. want to thank all of our guests tonight. Um, Caleb Kimbrough from Hamden, Sydney. Jenna Cosgrove from Rhode Island College. Really want to thank those two. They were scheduled to be on the very first show of the season. And due to our technical issues, couldn't join us. And then couldn't, for scheduling issues, join us uh, the last show. So I appreciate them sticking around and, and getting on the air with us this week. also want to thank Olivia Lett at Milliken. And I want to thank Dave Hastings at Keene State. And I want to thank the sports information directors and staff and offices at all those institutions for their help as well. Um, some of them have gone a little extra to help us uh, make uh, do our work a little bit easier, and we certainly appreciate it, to say the least. And with that, we're going to sign off because my voice is going. I got, I got nothing left in me. I apologize. <clears throat> Just don't have anything else we can talk about. So I got to roll. Yeah, but we look forward to talking to you next week. And if you feel like it, tune into the Soccer Championships. Our Thor and I are on the men's side. Jeremy and Monica will be on the call on the women's side. Looking forward to that. The men's side is a Final Four. No one really had penciled in, I'm quite confident. Looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. Uh, thanks to Pat Coleman and the entire crew at D3Hoops.com, as always, for their assistance. I want to thank our other partners as well. Look forward to working with them as we solidify things here for the future of this show. And with that, we're signing off. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to our guests for coming on the air. Hope you enjoyed it, and we look forward to catching you next Monday here on Hoopsville. Because remember, if you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.